Welcome to another episode of See You Next Tuesday podcast. I am Jesse. I'm Amanda, and we are doing Casey Anthony Part Two. Part Dos. That's right. Um, episode nineteen. As you know, we left you with another cliffhanger. We promise we're not trying to torture y'all. It's just like the the people we've been investigating truly have this much information, and we gotta break it up. It was an accident on my part. On purpose on hers. Yeah. Well, yeah. But you know what? It, I think it worked out because it, it's a good kind of split, you know, keeping it fresh, I guess. <laughs> fresh to death. I mean, it means you don't get to see me for a while. Well, that I'm sad about because we do podcast every other week or so. I mean, we can still go have tacos. Oh, we can always go have tacos. That's always on the table. And Marg's. Mexican martini and a mimosa, little brunch, little brunchy action. Fuck! All oh, those pastries again. this morning. Pastries were good. Oh my god! Pastries were always a good idea, and are always going to be a good idea. I think. Yes. Yeah. Hands down. That's my stance on that. Yes. You can at me with that. Uh huh. <laughs> if you think pastries are bad, at us. We don't care because I don't need. That in, in my life. The one thing I will say about pastries is I feel like like the regionalness of certain ones, like, um, for instance, Kroller. I feel like Krollers are northern donut, even though I know we have Krollers down here. Does that make sense to I you? I don't even know what that is. See, I think it's like a bear claw. Essentially. But like Kroller is a northern donut, right? Sure. Like, like for instance, what do we call when you're going over to someone's house and you're bringing a dish? What do you call the dish? Potluck, right? Yeah. You know what they call it in the Midwest? Hot dish. That's what I'm saying. I feel like with a pastry, there's certain I mean, regional names. What if you're bringing a salad? You're not bringing a hot dish. We're talking about casserole and or like potluck type shit only. I mean, but like potluck type stuff, mm-hmm. sometimes people bring salad. Like, take but then your you salad. Wouldn't, you wouldn't call it a hot dish because it's not hot. I mean, like. I'm assuming. Would you me. call? Wait, wait, wait. Now I want to know. So people from the Midwest, hey, actually all you Kansas City folk, this is actually a great question for y'all. Oh, Kansas City, we love you. Hot dish. I'm coming over to your house. I'm bringing food. Does a hot dish have to be hot or can it be a potato salad or like a noodle pasta salad yeah cold? because you know you having a potluck everybody's bringing something different mm-hmm. you got your sign up sheet i'm bringing fuck i'm bringing pot roast there you go i'm bringing mashed potatoes enchiladas oh there you go i'm bringing ambrosia salad yes i'm going there we all know what that is. I'm bringing a big garden salad uh-huh. for the health. Right. So that's a potluck. So if you're saying the Yanks are calling a potluck a hot dish. No, not the Yanks, the Midwesterners. Oh, I'm sorry. The Midwesterners. Yes. They're calling a potluck hot dish. Uh-huh. Is the salad still part of the hot dish or does it have to be a hot dish? I don't know. Y'all help us end this conversation by helping us figure this the fuck out. We Kansas City. Come at us. Because we want to know. Let us know, please. And, um, you know, 
if you're in Kansas City and you happen to be my favorite football player and you're listening, you can DM me privately and just say, uh, yeah, I listen. And I'm going to fangirl real hard, but I won't tell anyone. <laughs> Are you trying to, like, catfish somebody out here? Trying to, you know, get them caught in the web, as it were? No, I just um, am saying... Hmm? When I saw Kansas City on our list, I thought to myself and looked at the pod hubby and said, oh my God, what if they listen or their wife? And he was like, you are stupid. Do you want to say? Yeah, I think you can say. I don't think it matters. Say who it is. I mean, we all know who it is. I don't. I'm not a sports person. I'm, I'm being serious. I'm actually not. Like, I'll watch it if it's on TV, but well, I'm not like, what it in it. Here's you know? what it is. I don't want them to be afraid to let me know. <laughs> because. Okay. Here's yeah, I'm going to say it's Tom Brady. Yes. No. <laughs> Who lives in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Because I don't want them to be afraid that, like, everybody is going to go, oh, my God, do you listen to the podcast? But maybe then they would. So you're like, you don't want them to have a stigma around them listening to our podcast? No. Okay. Okay. I don't, okay. Let me throw this out here. I graduated from Texas Tech. Right. I love me some college football. <laughs> I would be downstairs watching it right now if we weren't doing that, doing this here. Right. So, um, best football player of all time, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Now is the quarterback of Kansas City. Mm. I.e. slide into them DMs, Patrick. I'm married, bro. I'm old. Much older than you. But it doesn't mean you can't just be frenzies. Don't, don't, but don't use the phrase slide into the DMs. Because that, like, has sexual undertones. I mean, is it, was it a hall pass for you, though? Would it be a hall pass? No. <laughs> we made that list 20 years ago. Oh, with who's on the list? Now I want to know. I don't even remember. Because they're probably old, and I would be like, nah, I take a pass, thanks. <laughs> You're like, thank you, but no thank you. Thank you, but no thank mm, you. We're good. So I'm like, do you think like him or his, well, not his wife, his fiance, listen, do you think she listens while she works out or feeds the baby? And Daniel's like, you dumb girl, you dumb. <laughs> but I'm like, look how many people in Kansas City are listening. <laughs> I do like where your head went instantly, though. Oh, my God. It's him and his wife and his baby. <laughs> uh-huh. It's whole family. And <laughs> uh-huh. I love it. Because, you know, you know, sometimes I call people crazy and I'm like, oh, people are going to get mad that I said crazy. Right. It's because I'm crazy that I can call people crazy. It takes one to know one. Mm-hmm. There it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually don't have any stories. For you today. Do you have any work stories you want to share? Let me check my notes. Mm. You take notes throughout the week just so the bullshit that happens. <clears throat> Ready? Under my memos, pod notes. Let's see what I want to tell. <laughs> you get this is what's sad is your work has so many you have to write them down. Yes. And this one, I don't even know what that means, so I'm not gonna tell that story. Okay. Because it's just one word. What is it? What's the word? It says check. Yeah, that could go many different ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe I put a bitch in check. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember what I did this week. 
Do you? No. <laughs> Were you there? No. Okay. So, I don't know what was going on behind me. And, um, I hear, because I listened to my podcast during the day. Right, right. <clears throat> I hear, well, you know, that's actually a racist statement. And I'm like, her? Pause. <laughs> who is ju- who is checking someone on racism? Yes, okay. I'm like, yeah, pause. I'm like, this can go any way. And I'm like, what'd you say? What'd you say? What'd they say? What'd they say? I'm like, ooh, ooh, I need to know what was said. So now I'm listening because I want to know what was said. And I don't know what was said. Okay. We don't know the what uh, was said as to why the statement was made. Right. Okay. Don't know what was said. The rest of the conversation continues like this. Well, you know, it's just something that I've always said and, and, and we always say it. I, well, I, I know. I was just saying, you know, that's actually a racist statement. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, we've just always said it. And I'm sitting at my desk and I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm about to go off. Just because you've always said something doesn't make it okay. But let me, let me add a little bit more to that. Okay, please. The one that said, but I've always just said it. She has a special needs child. Okay. And she is very upset if someone were to say, oh my God, that is so the R word. Right. Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I am so. The R word. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Or um, in reference to like if someone says something like the short bus. Right. Okay. So she gets very offended by that, mm-hmm. which I mean, yeah, it, there's, it, these are things we don't say anymore. Granted. Okay. I just want to go. <sighs> I just wanted to say, oh my God, I'm so R word. Mm-hmm. And then when she said something to go, oh, I'm sorry. That's just something I've always said. Right. Because she's saying something racist and then going, oh, I'm sorry. It's just something I always say. How is it okay for you to police everyone else's words whenever you're allowing yourself to be okay with saying racist shit. It's not okay. Like like I said, I don't know what was said. Right. I don't know what was said. Benefit of the doubt. I just was like, wasabi, wasabi, wasabi. <sighs> um, Who called her out? The other one. Was it one of the, one of the people you get along with or was it like, some ran, like someone you're like, eh? It, they're like... Two best friends. Two best friends, like, uh-huh. living their best lives together? Yeah. Okay. So, I was just like, this is what, we have social change because we have said, it doesn't matter that this is something we've always said, but we're going to stop saying it. Right. It doesn't matter that this is something we've always done. We're going to stop doing it. It's not okay. Right. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to progress and go, nah, that really wasn't a good idea or wasn't a good statement or whatever. There are things that I said as a child because that's what I was told by adults that I thought was okay that I now know as an adult is not okay. So I don't say them. Right. Same here. Yeah. Yep. Especially growing up in Texas 
especially growing up around, you know, I would grew up around very Republican right wing family. Like there's a lot of stuff that in retrospect, you're like, oh, damn, <laughs> you know, shit you would never say now, which is good that you now know the difference and know, okay, that's something. No. So I was just like, oh, yeah. I just, and this is why you have earbuds and listening to podcasts all day. Yes, ma'am. Oh, so speaking of podcasts, you want to get into the Casey part no, two? I don't, but you're gonna make me so because. How do you think I feel? I've had to fucking live in this world while I'm researching her this entire time. It's not great. I mean, but here we are. Okay, so let's pick up where we left off. Where we left off last time, Casey is arrested and charged with child neglect, lying to investigators, and interfering with the criminal investigation. Okay, so this is July 16th, 2008. And Casey calls her mom in jail. So I'm going to reenact this. Do you want to be Cindy? I would love to be Cindy. All right, here we go. Can you read it? Can you see okay. it? Okay, okay. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna blow up the um, screen here. This will make it easier. There we go. All right, so I'll be Casey. You don't know what my involvement is in stuff? Casey! Mom! What? No! I don't know what your involvement is, sweetheart. You need to keep your not telling me where... You keep your not telling me where she's at. Because I don't fucking know where she's at. Are you kidding me? Casey, don't waste your call screaming and hollering at me. Waste my call sitting uh, in, oh, like, the jail? Kate, well, whose fault is it you're sitting in jail? Are you blaming me? You're sitting in jail? Not my fault. Blame yourself for telling lies. What do you mean it's not your fault? What do you mean it's not your fault, sweetheart? If you tell them the truth and not lied about everything they wouldn't do me a favor just tell me what tony's number is i don't want to talk to you right now forget it oh that was fun and scene well done <clears throat> but yeah i like how you went to a southern mom there at the end <laughs> telling me where it's at That's casey just, she took over my body i, I love couldn't it. help it <laughs> hollywood producers for vo for voice actors voice roles you can email us at. <laughs> so this is the phone call she's making. So the, this whole thing, her mom's trying to get her to figure, trying to figure out what's going on because she's now arrested. Where's Kaylee? All this shit. And all Casey can do is go, hey, I need my boyfriend's no number. She not only did that with her mom, she did it with her brother Lee. She did it with her friend Amy. And I think I want to say George also called her. And again, all three times or four times, She's asking, I need Tony's number, I need Tony's number, I need Tony's number. She doesn't give a shit about anything but getting her boyfriend's cell phone number. Okay. Yeah. So, and again, Tony had known her for like two months and dated for a month. So this guy is not in it. He's, which, nor should he be. This poor dude is like, what the fuck is going on? He's going to be like, do you accept a call from the whatever, whatever Tony <laughs> Jill? He's going to be like... Nope. Absolutely not. I do not accept that call. So now we're July 22nd, 2008. Casey is officially declared a person of interest in a, at a bond hearing. This hearing introduces the evidence that her parents claim stated that a cadaver dog alerted to the scent of decomp in the trunk of the car and the Anthony's backyard. 
This coincides with Cindy stating that she's not seen Kaylee since June. And bail was set for $500,000 because the judge sees this This could be more there there than just a missing child. And it's like, mm, I'm just going to err on the side of caution set this high. Yeah. So in the bond hearing, Cindy George and Lee all testified that Casey's a good mom and about her life history. Cindy starts crying and they say Casey for the first time after being, they see Casey, excuse me, for the first time after being arrested. And of course, Cindy's like emotional about it. And she says, I know Casey is a person. I know what she is as a mother. I know there's only one or two reasons why Casey would be withholding something about Kaylee. And I believe it's something someone is holding over her and threatening her in some way. So Cindy still can't wrap her head around her daughter being involved in this at all in any sort of way. Casey is held in jail and the media circus starts. Okay. And again, remember Sunshine Law. The media is being fed information almost immediately after it's filed. That's um, great. Yeah, right. And this is where you get the news stories and you see video of um, Cindy and George on their front lawn, like battling with people, get off my yeah. lawn and shit. Which, I mean, at some point you get frustrated and scared. Yeah. Because people are literally camping outside your house. They're knocking on I your mean, door. That's they're, too much. they're screaming at you as you leave for work. Yeah, that should not be happening. That's insane. It's just, it's just, it's insanity. So, um, George, okay, so let's get this. Okay, so Cindy believed Casey and George was cooperating more and more with the police, however. So the, these two people are going two separate directions in this way. George even met alone without his wife with investigators and said, where this is leading, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about that. But I had bad vibes the very first day when I got that car, George said. And I can be straight with you guys, and I hope it stays in the confines of us three. I don't want to believe that I have raised someone, brought someone into this world that could do something to another person. I don't want to believe that. And if it happens, then all I can do is ask that you guys please call me so I can prepare my wife because it's going to kill her. George acknowledged that if they had lost their granddaughter, they'd also lost their daughter. And this is him quoting again. But I guess the reason why I'm here today is I just have a hard time grasping what my wife is doing to you guys, and I apologize. Now my daughter lives on the edge. You know that from all the lies, all the contradictions, and my daughter takes things as far as she can take them, and then she piles on some other stuff. This is going to sound really crazy at this point, but my wife and I still believe that Casey still resents my wife. From the day our granddaughter was born. George then described the tension between Cindy and Casey. A lot of times they've gotten into it because Casey not being where she was supposed to have been. And I think that whole thing, now this is recorded obviously with the police officers and right. George is saying this to them, is really interesting. So, and it has to be really hard to justify that your daughter might be a murderer. I mean, you can hear him kind of going through this and processing it as he's talking to them. Right. And I think he knows, like, like in his heart, he knows. Right. And, and that's what so has to be so upsetting is his heart and his gut's telling him one thing that is true, but it's all, his heart's also telling him, how the hell can my daughter do this? Yes. Because that's got to be really Cause, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it, that's fucking crazy. So July 24th, 2008, interviews with psychiatrists said that Casey was perfectly normal, that there was no indication of any mental illness, and Casey reported that she had never had any mental health treatment, and she did not have a drug or alcohol problem. 
She also stated unequivocally that she'd never been physically or sexually abused. One of the psychiatrists says that, and I'm quoting, she was unusually happy considering her circumstances. So again, Casey told psychiatrists that she had not been physically or sexually abused. That is very important. So then on July 25th, 2008, Lee and her parents visit her in jail and they have a video recording of the visit. George actually shows up at the t-shirt they made. It's actually kind of heartbreaking with uh, Kaylee's photo on the, on the back of it. On the front, it's basically saying like, you know, we hope Kaylee's alive and all this stuff. It's, it's just really, really upsetting because they're sitting there, they're trying to talk to her and, you know, Kaylee's given the, Casey, excuse me, is giving them like the whole, you know, brick wall treatment essentially. And you could just see them kind of like dying inside and poor George is sitting there trying to like remain composure and just be really a good dad and be supportive and, and just the fact that they already made t-shirts, you know, it just shows that they're trying to get like the name out there about this. And yeah, let me just play this for you because it's, I think it's really interesting, this piece of recording. So this is, again, she hasn't been convicted of anything, but she's being held because she can't get out on bond. Okay. So yeah, let's hear a little bit of this. I know that one. Her cover's going to be on People Magazine in a few days. Okay. Everybody is looking for her. Oh, good. Everybody is looking for her. Are we going to be able to find her, do you think? I hope we can, Mom. Now, I didn't get a chance to ask Lee. Um, can you look up a little bit more? Raise your eyes up a little bit. There you, you go. So actually, look straight up so I can look into your eyes, darling. Thank you. I need you know I need to do that. It's okay to cry, Casey. It's all right, love. We've all been crying. Casey, I want to ask you just a couple questions. God. I know the pictures with Kaylee in Zanny's apartment. Is Zanny's apart apartment the ones with the drums? She had a drum set, yes. The one in the picture. I think there are even other pictures. I told Lee to look through everything. Okay. Is that Zanny's apartment? Because I know whose apartment it is. Is it Zanny's apartment? That exact apartment? No, that was Ricardo's apartment. It was set up a lot like Zanny's apartment. Okay. I'm going to break that down for y'all real quick. First off, the family dynamic of the mother going, I need you to look up for me. I need you to look me in the eyes. I think it's partially, I want you to tell me the truth. That's her way of saying it. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you can see that this is the mom that told her to sit up straight while she ate, told her to hold her fork a certain way. You see what I'm saying? Like this Elbows is up the table. See what I mean? There's this mm -hmm. vibe, right? Yeah. Second piece there. You can see Cindy asking a question she wants the answer to. Is that photo of Zanny the nanny's apartment? Casey's like, yes, she had drum set in her apartment. Cindy knows the answer to this question. She wants to catch her daughter in a lie. But she won't answer the question. She won't answer the question. And she's answering it. And yeah, of course, it's Zanny. She goes, Zanny had drums. Not, yes, that's her apartment, mm -hmm. right? So Cindy is basically trying to get her, trying to hang her out there so that she can catch her in the slide. But at the end, you see how Cindy swoops in and goes, oh, okay. You know, like, 
no, that's actually Ricardo's apartment. You know, Casey kind of going like that. And then listen to this. So then, okay. Her mom goes, okay. Her mom says, okay. She accepts the fact that, okay, it's Ricardo's apartment. We're going to move on past the fact that you just lied to me. You also lied that that, that was Zanny's apartment. Why the fuck wouldn't you not be lying about everything else? So see, there's this weird family dynamic. And I thought that that little piece of it kind of captures it perfectly in that you can see how her mother treats her, how she treats her mom, and then how her mom is actually at one point trying to do the right thing, right? Like, okay, fair enough. She's actually really trying to, you know, get information out of Casey. But then whenever she has the chance to catch her in that lie, she saves her at the end. It's almost like, I want to know. And then at the last minute for self-preservation, she's like, nope, and bails. Yeah. You know, it's like you get to the, you're ready to ride the biggest roller coaster at the amusement park when you're 10, right? You get to the front of the line. You're finally tall enough. The first summer, you're tall enough to get on the ride. Yep. You get to the front of the line. It's your turn to get on the roller coaster. And you go, nope. Right. Next summer. Exactly. That's what she did. Exactly right. And Cindy let her have that, which I think is interesting because, you know, it's really, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I wish mom would defended me like that. I mean, if I'm in that situation, I know that would not be the case, but like, still, it's just like really interesting how like she will go to the nth degree to defend her daughter. I mean, it's just crazy. So Casey, just before that visit, by the way, was warned by her brother. Hey, Everything is being recorded. Everything. If you want a, a confidential conversation, it has to be written down in a letter, not handed to your lawyer, but handed to me, your mom, your dad. And so that's what she did too. So this is some of the recorded meetings. After a certain amount of time, they realize that these are doing more harm than good because again, the media gets these immediately and everyone like picks it apart every single time. So they're all just kind of like, look, we're just gonna stay away. Plus Casey, still being a brick wall, Eventually, her parents and her brother are like, fuck, why do we keep coming here asking for answers? We keep getting the exact same thing over, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So they're done with it. They're tired at a certain point. Um, so anyway, skipping ahead, August 11th, 2008, utility worker Roy Cronk, greatest name ever, calls 911 from his house to say that he'd been working around Chicksaw Oaks to, and he had to go pee in a swampy area. I saw a gray bag, it was kind of weird, and a partially submerged in water. The white object nearby looked like a skull. 911 said they passed that info along, and hearing nothing after a while, he called 911 again, because he's like, hey, there's this weird thing here. He repeated everything, they thanked him, they told him to call the tips line, because there's been a massive search going on for Kaylee. Again, her parents are on the news. Hey, help us find Kaylee, all that shit. August 13th, 2008. Roy Kronk is like, okay, cool. Not seeing anybody. Two days. What's going on? Calls him again to confirm a meeting with someone from the Orange County Sheriff's Office. Um, They said, okay, stay there. They'll meet there. He waited around the area where he found the bag. And this time, police officers did arrive. Cops argued with him that there was no way a body can decompose that quickly, i.e. the skull, and assumed CSI had already been there to examine the scene. The cops were basically like, eh, we don't find anything. We didn't see anything. Bye. Yeah. I mean, good job. Yeah. Well done. Good job. 
They all work the Celeste Beard case. Huh? Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Like, they basically did, like, a little skim, like, we, uh, we don't see anything. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, so later days. Deuce. And he's like, what? Okay. And uh, they think it's a false lead. August 20th, 2008. Casey's bond is posted. Bounty hunter Leonard Padilla announces that he paid the $500,000 of the hope that Casey will lead them to Kaylee. And uh, guess the fuck what? She doesn't. Ten days later, on the 30th, her bond is rescinded. And because Casey is arrested for allegedly stealing and cashing a friend's checks during that ten days, she goes back to jail. I mean, and ten then, days, you couldn't... Right. And then others posted her bond again. So in September 5th, she was released from jail again. This time, she was held on multiple charges, including child neglect and lying, petty theft, forged check, blah, 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 blah. But no charge yet for the conjunction of her daughter's disappearance. Again, they don't have her daughter's body. It's just suspicion, right? But they would have if they weren't cunts. If they weren't fucking around and like actually did their jobs whenever Roy Cronk was like, hey, by the way, there's a skull over here. I mean, do we have to like pick one cunt? <laughs> I will give them one. No, we, we don't. We can pick multiples. I will give them one concession. Tips lines whenever a massive case like this that has media attention from across the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They get like Thousands. Hundreds of thousands. Sure. So, yes. But this dude has called you three, four times? Right. Maybe. Just. When you show up, you should at least let him take you there. Right. And say, hey, the, look at that. Look at that. And then you get further in and take a look at it with your fucking eyes. Instead of, like, from a distance, like, looks fine to me. From over here, 20 feet away. Yes. Right. I know. So, this is Cindy Anthony speaking. I want my granddaughter back. We live, breathe all day long. What are we going to do? What are we going to do if we don't find her soon? Because all of our hearts are breaking every day. And Cindy Anthony's like state of mind at this point. Obviously, she's terribly upset. So finally, on October 14th, Casey is charged with first-degree murder. They charge her with aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter, and four counts of providing false information to law enforcement. In response, Casey lawyer, Casey's lawyer, Jose Baez, oh my God, this fucking guy, says his client's actions will become clearer at trial. He says this, I sincerely believe when we have finally spoken, everyone, and I mean everyone, will sit back and say, now I understand. That explains it. Yeah, no. Yeah. George, on the way to the courthouse, said this is going to be very hard for me to do, because of fucking course it will be. Yeah. Focus has always been on my granddaughter and will always be. I love my daughter. I love my wife. I love my son. If someone could take a moment out at 11 o'clock this morning and 11 o'clock tonight and just pray for her, that's all I'm asking. That's all I can say. That was his statement to reporters on the way into this trial. Right? So, October 24th, forensic reports from an examination of Casey's car released. They say that the hair they discovered in the trunk, this is a nine inch long hair. This is very, you know, famous like hair length thing because Casey's hair was shorter than this. So it couldn't have been hers, but only because of my mitochondrial DNA, they knew that this hair came from the bloodline of the women in the Casey family. That's all they knew. Plus the fact that it wasn't dyed or aged meant they think it was from Kaylee. It's a, it's a fair assumption. I mean, Casey and her mother both dyed their hair. Yes. With mitochondrial DNA, considering there's only two of them living in the fucking house and three of them using the car. You know what I mean? 
you know, two plus two equals four. Yeah, again. So there, uh, the the hair showed decomposition where there's a black band at the base of the hair follicle. Okay, from a sample of the carpet they took, um, it also showed decomposition. So on December 11th, 2008, the remains of a young girl are found right the fuck where Roy Cronk showed them and half a mile from the Anthony's home. So here's my thing, guys. Of all the tips you get, the one that's literally fucking half a mile from the house of the person of interest that you're, you're talking about might be the one you want to investigate just a little bit more. Just saying. I mean, I already said that. Yeah, so from August to December, this body was there. And no, nobody. In a swamp, decomposing more. With gators. With, with, exactly. Who the fuck else knows what's in there, right? I mean, Florida, I'm sorry, y'all. Yep. I just assumed there's gators everywhere. Yep. You know, when I was a kid, we drove all the way to Disney World. Dude, was that like a two-day trip? Some fucking terrible. We stopped at a place. I don't know the name of it. We've always called it the Gator Jumperoo because we watched a gator jump out of the water to eat what? a chicken off a like. Um, no, you laundry didn't. line. Are you serious? Yes. That's some Florida ass shit right there. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Gator Jumperoo. Gator Jumperoo. <laughs> so in my eight year old brain till now. There's a gator everywhere in Florida. I don't disagree. I think people in Florida be like, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. You know. Sorry, Florida. <laughs> you know. Um, so after they exhume the body, they find that, yes, the remains are Kaylee's. Again, yes, we knew this. Um, I'm just going to say shit potholes. There's traumatic things I'm about to say about a young child, and I'm sorry for this. How many times do they need to hit the button? It's 15 seconds. Um, maybe 15 or 30 seconds. We'll see. So two times. Two times at least, yeah. Hit the button twice. Yeah. Um, the bones they found show no evidence of trauma and that the death was a homicide of undetermined means. Duct tape was around the mouth, nose, and jaw. But decomposition made it hard to determine the cause of death. So they they knew obviously that the situation was not a right death for a toddler. Which, if let's just say, we're gonna play devil's advocate. Kaylee goes running off half a mile from her house, runs off, runs off, falls into a swamp. She still wouldn't have fucking duct tape around her mouth. You mean she didn't do that to herself? Weird, shocking. You know those rascally children. I know. I mean, I'm just saying, and also she's old enough. She's two and a half. She knows how to take shit off of her face, which means she wasn't able to take shit off of her face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, smoke and fire happening everywhere, all the way around. And yet everyone's just like, "Mm, it's fine. It's whatever. Super chill. I mean. We're good here. No big deal. I put duct tape around my face all the time. Do you? I take it off. You don't? Daniel finds me passed out and he's like, <laughs> What are you doing? Duct tape again. What are you, Amanda? Oh, you. How many times do I have to tell you the duct tape doesn't go on your face? Exactly. So, th- this is this is happening. Let me just give you some context. Her, her, Casey's doing the Casey thing, but her parents and her family 
are falling apart. So let's just do another video of the conversation between her and her father. I don't care about the media. I don't care about what people have been saying about me. That doesn't matter. Because I know it's not true, and everyone that knows me knows that it isn't true. All I want is Kaylee home. And I want to be there when she comes home. I, I know you do. I know you do, sweetheart. I, I know. I mean, none of our lives are going to be what we used to know them as. Never again. I mean, all of us have joined a a life club, and that's a club of missing children. That's a club that I didn't want to join. I know you didn't want to join. We didn't want to see Kaylee being a member of that club, but we are. That's the way it is anymore. When you get out and Kaylee's with us, we're going to be more proactive finding missing children. No, no matter who it is, all of us are going to do that. Absolutely. Because that's what it's all about. All the material things in life and all these other things that we go through and we think we need that to have matters. in our new home, none of that matters. It, it's, it's just objects. And just know that I know she's close. I can feel her every night before I go to bed. I go out and I say, Kaylee, the moon, the stars, and the sky, sweetheart. Mommy. So that's her father talking to her now granted i kind of skipped back a little bit this is pre them finding kaylee and this is her father's attitude which is heartbreaking just the moon the stars in the sky he goes out every night and says that to kaylee right i mean this man loved his granddaughter light of his life you know i mean who wouldn't? Who wouldn't be like, this is awesome, right? So that's pre-finding Kaylee. This is skipping ahead a little bit to the trial when George is actually on the stand and after they found Kaylee. So here's a little bit about this situation with George. You can hear the t deterioration in him. A deep, a deep hurt inside tears, the whole gamut of just an emotional loss, a breakdown inside of me, and seeing what my wife and my son went through. Up to that moment, had you held out the hope that Kaylee would be found alive? Absolutely. Every day from July 15th until the day we were told, it was Kaylee. So obviously he's a broken human being. Um, so, so much so that January 22nd, 2009, he, he tried to commit suicide. Um, he was found in a hotel room taking, he had a lot of beers, what he said, and he had um, taken pills. I don't really know what pills he took, but he wrote a five-page suicide note, and he was he was done. You know, he was just over it. Um, so let me just give you a little bit of that, because here's the thing: <laughs> trials are shitty. <laughs> they have to ask people really, really shitty things. So this is the prosecutor who's charged K Casey with murder, talking to her father. Anthony went and got a gun that he did so with the purpose, I believe he will testify, he did so with the purpose of forcing people who 
he believed might know something about who killed Kaylee, specifically friends or boyfriends of the defendant, with the intention of forcing them to reveal what they knew and then taking his own life. It is revealed in the suicide note, and I believe he will testify that that's what happened. The defense has brought up the suicide. I do, so the court knows, intend for him to identify his suicide note, and in my case, I do intend to offer it because it shows that on January 22nd of 2009, this man had no idea who killed Kaylee Marie Anthony, and it approximately... So, that's a really good point. So, what he's saying is, had Jose Baez not gone here, I wouldn't have to go here either, but because now it's been brought up, I now have to ask this question of this man. Let's talk about your suicide attempt, and let's go into that, and also, he's, he's also kind of doing this thing where he's saying, if this man really wanted to commit suicide and was, and you know, was a part of this murder, essentially, um, it, it doesn't track, you know, and I get where the defense was going saying like, oh, well, he, he's guilty, so he feels bad, so he wants to kill himself, whatever, but it, here, we'll just listen to a little bit of this. Let's see if it'll um, kind of give some more clarity. Six weeks after the remains were found. Did you travel to a hotel in Daytona Beach for the purposes of taking your own life? Yes, sir. Why, on that particular day, did you decide to take your life? Uh, why that particular day I picked out, I, I really don't know. All I know is my emotional state, even through today, is uh, is very hard to accept that I don't have a granddaughter anymore. But for that particular day, I don't know, it just felt like the right time to go and be with Kaylee. Did you uh, call relatives and... So, I mean, the man's broken. He's a broken human. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's horrible that he has to say this in front of people as part of a testimony while his daughter sits there, no emotion whatsoever, as her dad is having to testify and do all this stuff, and it's just horrifying. So through this, Cindy is still believing that Kaylee's death was, you know, not Casey's fault. All of this, right? Okay. So on April 13th of 2009, prosecution announces that they intend not just to do first-degree murder, but to pursue the death penalty which originally they didn't want to go for, but they cited they have sufficient aggravating circumstances to justify, you know, the death penalty in this case. So did her mom... What's her name? Cindy. Cindy, not testify? Oh yeah, she's testified. She did testify a lot. Um, She testified... Oh gosh, I want to say... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Didn't she say that... She retracted her whole, the car smelled like a dead body bullshit. We're going to get to that. Yep, exactly right. So while, before the trial, granted again, I skipped back and skipped way ahead on purpose just to kind of get state of mind pre and post, right? For her father, her mother is remaining 
the same. Um, Casey served four years while she's waiting for her trial in 2011. Her parents' get visits get less and less frequent to the point where, you know, only Cindy was going to visit her. And then the gap, obviously, between her and her father is starting to get wider and wider and wider. I mean, for many different reasons. The lying, the, I mean, this alone. May 24th, 2011, the trial starts. Okay, prosecution goes into the whole, like, hey, young mom, glad to be rid of her daughter, live the life that she wanted. And Casey's defense attorney, Jose Baez, starts off with a fucking bomb that goes nowhere, literally. That Casey is lying, and she's good at it because she had to her whole life because her father sexually abused her while she was young. There was a statement he literally said, like, Casey had to go to school the same day that her she had her father's dick in her, in her mouth. Literally, that's what he said. In court, that's classy with a K. Super classy. But here's the thing. It was all a misdirection. He, yeah. he wasn't going anywhere with it. There was no substantiating evidence. No other witnesses said anything. He didn't have other witnesses to substantiate this evidence. He literally dropped this bomb to create confusion at the beginning of the fucking thing. And even the judge says, like, look, man, you can't, this can't be part of your closing statement. This can't continue because you didn't do your homework and back this up. So we can't keep going with this line of theory. So what the hell are you doing? His case, so this is the theory that Casey's defense came up with, okay? Kaylee accidentally drowned in the family pool outside. Casey finds her, is super upset. George comes home, sees her scolds Casey and goes what did you do now we have to clean this up helps her dispose of the body however they do it then Roy Crump comes in the utility worker found her and somewhere decided hey I'm gonna plant Kaylee's body in the woods and then call the cops that's their theory oh so the body got moved and Roy Moved it? Yeah, Roy was the one that somehow they're like, we're going to call this random utility worker that we have no history with, or he's going to find this body of a young girl and move it in order to get notoriety or something. It just it just makes no fucking sense. It makes That whole thing makes no fucking sense. George and Cindy were obviously distraught over the claim that George sexually assaulted his daughter. However, they did have a little pre-warning. Jose Baez did say that they were going to have to pull out and do weird stuff in the trial. They didn't know what, though. But he said, whenever I say, you cannot react. So, the, and, and, you know, basically, and, and the reasoning behind it is, don't give people fodder, but also, no matter what you do, you're going to look guilty, so just don't do anything. Oh, oh, because not reacting to the fact that you just said I raped my daughter molested my daughter right i'm gonna sit there straight face that's not gonna make me look guilty at all right so that's the thing is a lot of people like well how could he not have done it because he was so stoic and all this kind of stuff but i can also see the whole i can see i would do that too if if a lawyer is telling me don't react don't say anything sit there and answer the questions i'll be like okay because you know what you're doing and i don't so right, I would until you said some bullshit like that. Like I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in the audience, right, or whatever that's called. Yeah, <clears throat> sitting there, got my face, got my game face on, game face, and then he says, "You molested your child." Oh, you best believe now you get a reaction. You're popping up out of your chair, like, "Excuse me," because that that is no game plan in my book. Mm-mm. 
No. No. I'm just saying. So I'm just saying. No, I know. I know. They were definitely shocked by it. They were both like, wait, what? But they they were like, okay, we have to sit here, you know, and just like let this happen. Okay. It does play into, it makes sense though, because they're kind of a go along to get along. I mean, I.e. Casey's lies. They kind of go along to get along. Yeah, I you know? mean, it's not like they said, like, be stoic. I might have to say some crazy shit. Be, just go along with it. I mean, sitting there, game face, and he says, Casey has multiple personalities, so it must have been her other personality that was forward. Then I'm going to game face it. Right. You accuse me of molesting my child? Game face off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... George Anthony is the first one on the stand. The first one on the stand. Of course, he gets questioned. Hey, did you molest your daughter? He goes, no, I did not. I mean, in the prosecution, hey, did you molest your daughter? No, I did not. Like, I mean, it's... Just so you know, they also accuse Lee, her brother, of also... Casey does. There was this great, which thank you, by the way, The Cellmate Confessions. Oh. That's a great show. That is a great show. Oh, phenomenal. Thank you for showing me that. I had no idea it existed. But her uh, roomie with her celly was basically saying like, you know, Casey told me through letters that, you know, my brother like molested me too and all this stuff. She was like, like, didn't track for her either. It was kind of like, that's weird. But anyway, so... What's interesting is in that documentary, while Casey's being held, Randed for four years before her trial, she tells the Sally everything. Not like confessing, but she basically said, Oh, Casey was found in a Kaylee. S- or, sorry, Kaylee was thank you. God. Kaylee was found in a swamp before her Shoot. trial. Before the body was found. And so, I'm just saying, that was not admitted in court. Because again, you know, cellmate, she might have something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, just um, interesting is what we're going to say there. May 27, 2011, next up the impound guy who smelled the smell. Yup. Super strong. He was like, I've been in this business 30 years. I've smelled dead bodies. That was a dead body smell. 100%. June 6th, our pod boss. This guy is fucking badass. I like this guy. He is a scientist. He works at one of the largest body farms in the country, in Tennessee, by the way. You'd love it. Um, At the time, he was starting a new scientific study of the molecules in the air that come off of decomposition uh, bodies or or fabric or whatever. And he's basically saying at certain states during decomp, it's different molecules, different smells, and he wants to try to measure them to figure out how long the body's been there, been dead, been decomposing, all of this stuff, right? really fascinating stuff but in 2011 that was very new technology so it's kind of one of those things where it's like this is super new so we don't want to go all in on it because we don't know if this is provable enough yet we don't have enough data you know what i mean so anyway he basically puts this the little bit of carpet that from the trunk into a paint can then uses a matrix assisted laser desorption ionization mass spectrometer Yes, I've always wanted to say that. The bunch of words together. I don't know why. To measure them so they can test how long the body has been dead, right? Um, he detected decomp in, in large amounts of chloroform. Okay. This is... I learned shit about chloroform. I had no idea about. First off, the body has it in it. Our bodies do. Our bodies give it off when we, when we decompose. And household cleaners have it. So... 
basically it's common for there to be some chloroform in a dead body but the amounts that he found he was like there is no fucking way oh that it's natural it is not natural it's not from cleaners it is way too much however the defense's scientist it was an fbi scientist and said oh no it's just from the cleaners okay did she take a bath in chloroform? <laughs> i don't know so june 8th after they talk about the searches found on the computer for chloroform 84 times as well as searches for head injuries ruptured spleen internal bleeding and chest trauma but the guy who designed the software to search this shit said oops my bad there was actually an error there was only one search of chloroform or chlor yeah my bad so then that creates this like little hole Mm -hmm. just enough for bias to pick it you know june 23rd cindy decides she's going all in on casey's side and here's what you were talking about she not only negated everything that she told the prosecutor, right? She says that she searched for chloroform because her dog was sick and she thought he might have gotten into some plant in the yard. So she was trying to search chlorophyll. Mistyped it. Whoopsie daisies. My bad. They then asked her about like, you know, when did you, weren't you clocked in at work at that time? We have records that you were at work. She's like, oh no, all of us, we just, you know, do that. And then sometimes go run errands and come back like super quick, whatever. And he's like, okay, that's cool and all, but we have literally the keystrokes during that time of you at your desk at work. So unless somebody else was typing on your computer at work while this other search was happening about chloroform, come on, so But she kept on it. That's, she... Oh, somebody, I had somebody using my computer so the boss wouldn't find out. Something, right. I mean, just, just it was so ridiculous. I couldn't even, that's why I didn't want to play it because I was just like, I can't. I can't. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Um, Cindy also said, uh, oh, whenever she had that, remember the 911 Mm -hmm. from last episode? Smells like there's been a body in the dead car. A dead body in the car. She goes, oh, no, that's just a saying. That's just something you say. You know what? I say that all the time. Oh, my God. It smells smells like there's a dead body in the car. Yeah. I know that's super common saying that we all say. I said that to you when you walked in my house. Oh my God, you smell like there's been a dead body in the car. It's, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, oh my God. Like I would instantly go back home and shower. I'd be like, we can. We're done. We're done. We're in done fact, I don't think I can ever talk to you again. <laughs> Sorry, it was been great being your friend, but I'm going to go home now. So July 3rd, 2011. This is the last day for the trial. July 3rd. Keep that in mind. Prosecution's closing argument was basically who had more to gain by Kaylee being dead. Jose Bias was basically saying, well, that's all nice and all, but you can't link Casey to the body in the trunk or tie her to the death of her daughter. And there is no technical cause of death. So hmm, be that as it may. And you left it there. Okay. The jury deliberated for, you want to guess? What time did they go in, like, what time of day was it? I actually don't know that, but I do know the time frame. Hold on, hold on. Two hours and ten minutes. Mm Hmm? Not that bad. Ten hours. Ten hours. But they came back on July 5th, because remember, there's the 4th of July holiday up in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? With, spoilers, hello... Not guilty on all counts, but one. She was convicted on giving false information to a police officer. Time served. Time served. Casey Anthony then spends only four more days in jail 
and walks free on July 17th, 2011. Hey, Casey, what up, girl? Yeah. Come at me. Yeah. So here's their statement read by a lawyer after her release. It is my hope that Casey Anthony can receive the counseling and treatment she needs to move forward with the rest of her life. That's an understatement. Yeah, so fucking shit show. So let's talk real quick about the aftermath here, okay? Okay. In 2017, the CBS News article states, and I'm just going to read it because it's actually well put and it just makes sense. Captain Angelo Nieves of Orange County Sheriff's Office said Sunday that the agency's computer investigator missed the June 16, 2008 search on a Firefox browser. So I don't know what the fuck the idiots were doing in this goddamn IT department. There are more than one browser on your computer. You have Internet Explorer, so you can download anything else besides Internet Explorer, right? Doesn't mean that people don't use Internet Explorer still. They may use Chrome or Firefox or whatever, Microsoft Edge. But there's more than one fucking browser on a computer. Dumbasses. Is Firefox still a thing? Yes. Good to know. Yeah. Continue. So the admission was first reported by CBS affiliate WKMG. They reported that sheriff's investigators overlooked around 1,200 entries. 1,200, including the suffocation search, foolproof suffocation, from the computer's Mozilla Firefox browser, which was most commonly used by Casey Anthony. Investigators also pulled 17 vague entries from the computer's Internet Explorer browser. Hello? Different browsers, people. Whoever conducted the Google search looked for the term foolproof suffocation and then clicked on an article about suicide that discussed taking poison and putting a bag over one's head, the station reported. The browser then recorded activity on the social networking site MySpace, which was used by Casey Anthony, but not her father. A computer expert for Anthony's defense team found the search before the trial... Her lead attorney, Jose Baez, said. So Jose Baez had this in his back pocket throughout the whole trial. So he knew she was guilty. Oh, of course he did. And the thing is, is like, he's not going to bring it up. His job is to get her off. But he thought the whole time, and this is actually in his book, which I did not buy because I don't want to get this guy any money, um, was... Thinking, oh shit, the prosecution's going to bring this up at any point. Because he thinks that they have this. But they don't. What's interesting to me is, I thought that whenever lawyers go into discovery, they have to reveal every fucking thing that they have for the other person. I was just thinking that. Right? I was just thinking that. How did he get away with this? Maybe because he didn't bring it up? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's fucking crazy, though. It's fucking crazy. It's, yeah, I can't describe it to you. But anyway, so year later, 2018. So this is the 10-year anniversary of her death, right? So 2008, 2018. There was an interview with her parents done by like ABC News. Um, and with, I'm just going to give you a summary of like how I viewed it. It was really, really well done. It was very open and honest. It wasn't very produced which I don't really like all the time like the whole you know like and coming up on our you know that whole yeah, yeah, yeah. like over the top shit um what's interesting these are the notes I took they kept Casey's room the same since 2008 Kaylee or Casey Casey her room is the same as when she left in 2008 Kaylee's room yes of course is the same okay yeah both of their rooms are the same okay yeah. 
Cindy claimed that all, all the dozens of photos in, in the room of Casey's room of Kaylee, Casey had put up and that she only put the finishing touches like the little butterfly stickers and stuff. So she was still trying to make her daughter out to this ABC News crew as like a good person, but you can tell like it was literally like hundreds of pictures on a wall. There is no way. I There's think, no way. I think I've seen that. And no, um, Casey didn't do that because that is a older lady grandma situation yep. in its orientation. Exactly right. Exactly right. So not only that, when asked of like, do the photos bother you? Because like this is a dead child, you know, on your wall. Um, like, what the hell? Uh Basically, Cindy's like, yeah, no, 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 it's all good. Um, uh, for me, I actually like, really appreciate, you know, being around it. She doesn't want to let the memory go. But George is like, no, actually, it's really painful for me to, like, see all these, like, photos of her everywhere. It's really, really hard for me to go into this room at all. Like, at all. So I think it's really interesting how, like, Cindy disregards George's pain, you know, and like, yeah. it's really strange. This is what I want. This is what makes me feel better. This is what we're going to do. Yes. So go fuck yourself. Exactly. George goes into the room to talk to her and Cindy says she doesn't even think she was grieved for two years after Kaylee died because she grieved before and after the trial, which is really interesting. Um, there was another clip I was going to show you, but it's not pulling up. But basically what it was is... Them having an argument that you can tell they've had many different times. George saying, look, you're going to believe what you're going to believe about our daughter. You know where I stand with this, i.e. she's guilty. George, to this day, believes that Casey is guilty, that she should have gotten convicted, and that she did do something. Yeah. And Cindy is like, I basically, in this you know, interview, said, I don't believe that she was guilty of the murder. I think that she did what she had to do to get rid of a body that accidentally died, essentially. So she's at least come further to say there was an accidental death in there. Yeah. Right? So she's getting there. But there's this whole argument that is just like, oh, damn. Um, you can even see start to, can Cindy start to slip a bit, knowing that Casey might have had something to do with it. And at the end of it, though, you can see that they are trying to rebuild their lives and just move the fuck on. Just move on. You know, it's so hard. I yeah. Mean, there's, no, there's no one day where you don't go without thinking about this. Right. Casey is completely estranged from her parents at this point, up to this day. Her and Cindy used to talk a lot um, through text, and then it just got less and less frequent, and then now she doesn't even talk to her at all. And I think that's also had played a part into why Cindy started to kind of change her mind, having that disconnection from her daughter, which I think is a good thing, to be perfectly honest. Well, yes, because um, she doesn't have her daughter controlling her. Right. Yeah, exactly right. So let's get into some of these like big talking points on this. I just have like my thoughts on the matter. So first off, Zanny. So Zanny, whenever they went to investigate her, this lady didn't even know Casey. She had no idea who this lady was, like didn't know her daughter. And then not only that, she lived like 30 miles south of where the Anthony's lived. And Zanida, for dragging her ass through the mud, sued Casey's ass, which hell yeah, how dare you? <laughs> Claim that I kidnapped your child. I've never even met you in my life. But what is she going to get? Uh, Casey has nothing. Well, get this. So how does Zanny factor into this? Where does she even get her? Well, it turns out Zanny, Zanida, 
worked at Universal for a hot second. And just enough, I guess, where Casey got her name embedded in her head and used it for every lie she had dating a nanny. Every single time. Isn't that amazing? The chloroform. Again, Kaylee should have been able to remove the tape if she weren't incapacitated in some way. So she was probably sedated. I don't personally know if it was chloroform, although a lot of them said it was pretty fucking high. From the 2017 search info, she definitely did something to her. I, I really don't know what it was. The pool theory, I don't believe it. I just fucking don't. I, I don't I don't think she accidentally drowned. I don't think George had anything to do with it. And honestly, even if she did accidentally drown, why the fuck were there's tape on her face? Exactly. Okay? And then of course dad and Lee abuse. No, get the fuck out of here. Car smell and the pizza bag. Oh, real quick, I just want to reel back. No, I, I totally believe victims every single time. Unfortunately, Casey used this just for her defense argument and only once and has never... It, it was just a ploy to get off. Um, the trash bag, you know, had random items in it. It meant, you know, really nothing to the case uh, at all. I don't think it really plays as much of a part as people think. The verdict, though, I really want to kind of go over for a minute. I think the reason why they got the verdict they did were for a couple of reasons. First is, they were trying to improve intent with first degree murder. Had they charged her with second, I think they could have gotten a guilty verdict. I really do. First degree murder intent is very hard to prove, especially in a mainly circumstantial case, which it really was. They didn't have fingerprints, they didn't have DNA, they didn't have actual evidence to link Casey to the actual crime, although let's be fucking real here. Everything's pointing to that, right? Um, so there's that. So I can see why they're on the fence. Also, because now they're pursuing the death penalty, you're, you're literally holding someone's life in your hands. So that makes you weigh things a lot more deeply than, yes. right? Third thing is the last day in court was the day before a fucking holiday. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody wants to be there. They're literally like, let's get this fucking over with so I can get back to my, my job, my life, whatever. Right? So it's just bad timing. One of the jurors was interviewed um, in May of 2021, actually, saying, it haunts me to this day. I think now if I were to do it over again, I'd push harder <coughs> to convict her of one of the lesser charges, like aggravated manslaughter. At least that, or child abuse. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I didn't stand up for what I believed in at the time. She seemed like a horrible person, but the prosecutors didn't give us enough evidence to convict. They gave us a lot of stuff that makes us think she probably did something wrong, but not beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's it. Because the cause of death was not determined, that hung up the jury the most, which I think is fucking stupid, guys. Your job isn't to try to... Figure yeah. out how someone died. Yes. That's not... It's to go, is there enough here to convict this person and in my opinion yes beyond a reasonable doubt absolutely especially with that weak ass case that Baez was thrown their way so here's my theory on what okay. happened okay obviously Casey's done with having a daughter we get that part she I believe what she did was she OD'd her on Zanny to make her calm Xanax we're talking about Xanax now, not the nanny. That's why Zanny the nanny, there's like this correlation because that's also like a street name for Xanax. Um, I think she overdosed her on Xanax enough to the point where she fell asleep. 
I think she put tape over her nose and mouth to suffocate her slowly in her sleep. And I think she then put her in the laundry bag in the trunk to kind of get her out of her way, out of her sight, out of sight, out of mind until she was officially gone. The daughter, unfortunately. I'm sorry, guys. So then I think what she tried to do, that was on the 16th. On the 17th, I think she tried to bury her in the backyard. That's why she borrowed the shovel from the neighbor, right? Realizing that she's a lazy piece of shit, she couldn't do it. And she was like, forget this. So she was like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to keep living my life. She drove to her boyfriend's, having fun. We all know what she was doing during this time. We've all seen it, so that's why I didn't cover it. And she did that for around, I believe, 11 to 12 days with Kaylee in the trunk. That, to me, explains the smell of death being so strong. You know, because if it's a day or two, sure. But I'm thinking, like, that little person, I can't even say girl because it just sounds so awful, was in there, and this is, you know, for quite a bit of time. Um, I think she was also trying to figure out how, what to do with her at this point. So she figured, oh, there's that place. There's that, at the end of my parents' roads, there's kind of this little swamp area. I'm just yeah. going to put her there, right? Yeah. So then she dumped the car. And I think because she was like, shit, it really smells in here. I got to figure this out. She just dumped the car by a dumpster. Dumped the car by a dumpster, grabbed the first bag of trash out of the dumpster she saw, put it in the trunk, and then closed the trunk. And then deuced it out of there. And then the events unfolded as they did. I personally believe that Casey is so arrogant that when something doesn't like serve her, she puts it down, steps away like a kid with a toy, thinking, mm, I'll pick that back up later or not, whatever. Yeah. I don't think she was malicious or cruel or mean. I think she may have been a really good mom. But whenever Kaylee wasn't serving her anymore, she was done. She was just done with it. So she's like, I just need to get this piece out of my life and just like, no emotion behind it. Just, I just need to get rid of this. Yeah. Right? So she literally will let chips fall where they may because she truly doesn't believe in her arrogance that anything will happen to her. And to her point, nothing fucking has happened to her. So yeah, she's kind of right. Yeah. You know I agree with you, except a couple of things. Yes, tell me your theory. I think that her drugging Kaylee with Xanax happened on a consistent basis so Mm. she could go out. Mm -hmm. She would drug her so she would not wake up while nobody was home. She was leaving her like at somebody's apartment alone so they could go party. Okay, yeah. And that ensured she wouldn't wake up. That makes sense. And this time she overdosed her. Oh, you think, and then so she's like, shit, and so she's What am like, I going to do? Right. I could, ha- yeah, I could see that. And then she starts, I mean, she, she thinks on her feet real quick. So she's like, I got to get rid of this body. I got to figure this whole thing out. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. It was a fucking infuriating case. Now, granted, the state of Florida did charge her, essentially sue her for like 200 something crazy thousand dollars that she still owes to the state, which I think is fucking hilarious. So she's going to be broke. Oh, and uh, most recently, she's consistently been having drinks thrown in her face. There was one oh, this year. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that. I love that. Me too. I was like, aw. She's like, I can't really go outside. It's like, well, then don't be a child murderer. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying be rude to people, but I get it. Maybe move to another state. Or another country. I don't know. Change your name. Yeah, definitely change your name. Definitely change your name. But, you know. 
that's the uh, case of Casey Anthony. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Let's all move on. <laughs> Please move on. I can't. I can't do it with this bitch anymore. So okay. So yay. have you ever heard of Brenda Cherry? No. So she was born March nineteenth, nineteen fifty-eight. Go Pisces. <laughs> and grew up in Blossom, Texas. Where's Blossom? Well, let me tell you, please. Because <laughs> uh, I ain't never heard of that neither. <laughs> um, it is east of Paris, Texas, which is northeast of Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, shout out to my people in Paris. Paris, Texas. Hey, y'all. Y'all, we have a lot of listeners in Paris. We don't know if it's Paris, Texas, Paris, Ohio. There's a bunch of Parises across. We've discussed this before. We don't know if all y'all are lumped together or if, like, it's... We don't, we don't know. But if you're my Paris, Texas peeps, I'm real sorry for what I'm about to say to you. Please don't stop listening. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so, anywho's it. That's where that's it. And so, um, the 2010 census said the population of Blossom was only 1,494 people. Hmm. I'm now going to go look for a house on Zillow in Blossom. Because that sounds really attractive. It probably has an incredible deal. You probably get a great house for a lot of land. I'm, I'm assuming land. I'm just like only 1,494 other people that... That's oh, your dream. God bless. <laughs> Sorry, back to badass Brenda. So, um, her father Zeb was a farmer. Her mother Irene was a domestic worker. Zeb, real quick. Her father's name was Z-E-B. Mm-hmm. I love that name. Cool. Okay. So when she began school at T.G. Gibbons in Paris, Texas, it was segregated. And she had to be bused 10 miles, even though there was a school in the town where she lived. Hmm. I think I know where this is going. You're going to get so mad. I'm about to get pissy. Just drink. Yep. So once the schools became integrated, then she started to attend the town school, which was formerly the whites only school. Right. And um, she went on to graduate from Prairie Land High School in Pattonville. Um, then she went to Paris Junior College and East Texas State University, which is now known as Texas A&M University of Commerce. Okay. Um, she worked as an LVN for nine years. Before she became a civil rights activist. Oh my god! Whoop whoop, Brenda! So she's the president and co founder of Concerned Citizens for Racial Equality, a nonprofit civil rights organization located in Paris, Texas. Awesome. So let me just tell you all the things Brenda has done. And I'm gonna tell you right now, this is the rest of the podcast is a shit pothole. Is it? Okay. It is shit pothole. People are going to get upset. So SPs and trigger warnings, turn it off right now or yes. stick with us. It, it usually ends well after a shit pothole. I will say that. Sometimes. <laughs> with our star moms, it does. No, it'll end well after a shit pothole okay, because cool. Brenda is a badass and Brenda don't take no shit. And let me tell you about the shit Brenda don't take. October 23rd, 2003. Um, an 11-year-old African-American student was reportedly attacked by the principal of Crockett Middle School. The child was removed from school and taken to the detention center. Uh, so Brenda... I'm sorry. 
What the fuck now? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm gonna get real mad. I'm getting real mad. <laughs> Brenda got a small group of people and staged a protest mm-hmm. in front of the school. That's fucking right. During the protest, the child was released. Yeah, because the child didn't do anything wrong. An adult hit a child. Calm down. Okay. <sighs> so this was just the beginning. It's just this. That's why you're saying calm down. Don't I waste your energy. You <laughs> calm down. Okay, I'm just gonna sit here and, and listen. So, <clears throat> this was just the beginning because Brenda was like, nope, 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 nope. This is not happening. Mm-mm. So I'm gonna give you choices. Kind of choose your own adventure. Okay. I can say the victims, and I can say the dickheads, <laughs> and call them out. Or I can only say the victims and not address. Ooh, I'm feeling like calling dickheads out. Honestly, I'm in that vibe right now. What do you think? Well, it's your story. You, you, you well, I wrote it to call them out so people would know what they did. Okay, well then But let's then go. I don't want to like, you know. It's like when I see all these school shootings on TV. I'm like, stop talking about the mass shooter. Right. I see what you're Stop saying. giving them attention. Yeah, because that's what they want. Right. Mm, I say use your best judgment. If you feel like it's going to be that situation where it's like this person's just going to get more from this than they deserve, don't mention their name. So, Shaquanda Cotton was a 14-year-old student at Paris High School. She did not have any criminal history. Um, She was arrested for allegedly shoving the hall monitor. Judge Chuck Superville... Sentenced her to seven years in the TYC. No criminal history and allegedly shoving student. March 2006. Like, during the same time period, Chuck Superville sentenced a white 14-year-old girl with a prior criminal history to probation for proven, let me say that again for everybody in the back, proven arson. Oh my God. I, I mean, if that doesn't explain the racial disparity in our country, just that fucking paragraph you just read, nothing fucking well. So let me tell you what happened. A writer with the African American News and Issues broke the story. Her name was, I'm sorry, his name was Darwin Campbell. Um, so it, that you know, got it a lot of attention. Um, after a year and a month in prison, the Chicago Tribune oh. wrote a story by Howard Witt, and the case became national exposure. A large protest led by comedian Ricky Smiley was held at, at the Lamar County J- uh, Courthouse in Paris, Texas. Nice. Shaquanda was released. Brenda? was interviewed by the BBC regarding um, Shaquanda, and the case was included in the BBC documentary United, uh, by United Kingdom reporter Julian O'Haron. So she's like talking to the BBC, yeah. getting it out there. We have a problem here. Th- there's a big fucking problem, yes. Um, September 16th, 2008. Brandon McLennan, he's a 24-year-old um, African-American male. Everybody who needs shit paws moved on, right? I hope so. 
He was found partially dismembered and mutilated on a farm road 17 miles from his house. The local newspaper, the Paris News, reported the death as a hit and run by an unknown truck. <coughs> I'm sorry. What truck dismembers you? I mean, like, right? Like, what the fuck kind of accident is that? Due to the activism of Brenda and the concerned citizens for racial equality, the case gained national attention. Mm-hmm. So, after th- there was a dispute on whether he was dragged under or behind the truck, um, USA Today interviewed Brenda. So, she's given more interviews. And she's getting it out there. She's getting the story out there. And she tells them, she says, I don't think there's a difference between getting behind the truck or under it. The point is he was fucking dragged is what you're saying. So it's not an accident. This was a malicious attack of this person. Yeah. You think? And then, you know, so of course now we're investigating. Thank God. We're investigating. About time. So it was determined he was last seen with two white men. Mm-hmm. Shannon Finley and Charles Ryan Costley, both of whom had an extensive criminal history. And there it is. Anderson Cooper 360 reported that the two men were charged with killing um, Brandon, and they pled not guilty. Because of course they did. They're white men, so why the fuck would they... I didn't do that, and they'll probably get yeah. off. So, um... The prosecutor cited lack of evidence, and the murder charges were dropped June of 2009. Mm. They were released. And so... Oh, my God. Still to this day, it's an open murder investigation, and they've never even considered it to be a hate crime. Are you serious? Dude, a guy is dismembered. Hello? So, oh my God, there's story after story where Brenda gets involved, right? Protest, um, talking to the media and every single time it gets out there, it becomes big news. It brings attention to the problem that's going on. Right. Which is good. Obviously she, had she not gotten involved, more people would be in jail. Hello? Clearly. Yes. People that do not deserve to be in jail are in jail. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So what happened? So that was 2008, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. They closed 2009. Mm. They let them go. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just... Story after story. Story after story. Right. And it's not... It doesn't... She always has a job to do, is what you're saying, unfortunately. Yes. And so... Yeah. The... Her nonprofit, Concerned Citizens for Racial Equality, co-sponsored a community reconciliation meeting with the U.S. Department of Justice, of Justice um, which featured... Which was featured in the... The... the Chicago Tribune. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, I'm here to talk about racism. I don't see any sense in playing games, pretending it doesn't exist. Exactly. When you go in the schools and see mostly black kids sitting in detention, it's racism. In court, when we get high bonds, 
we get longer sentences. If that's not racism, what is? I mean, she is a spot the fuck on. Prove her wrong. Please. Actually, no, please. Prove her wrong. <laughs> that's actually kind of the point. We don't want there to be racism, and we don't want um, people to be going to jail unnecessarily, no matter what their fucking race is. Like, what the hell? So, Brenda, along with Lone Star Legal Aid, a nonprofit law firm, they compiled statistics showing that in Paris Independent School District, they punished black kids eight times more often than the white kids, even though um, the African American community um, makes up the minority of the population. The U.S. Department of Education ruled there wasn't enough evidence to attribute the discrepancy to racism. The New York Times quoted Brenda as saying, I think we are probably stuck in 1930 right about now. If you complain about anything, you are going to be punished. No, I don't disagree. So, Brenda still has her charity and she's still doing this out of Paris, Texas, right? Yes. I love this. So she must be having a lot to do as of recent here in Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot to do, unfortunately. Damn. That's crazy. Her name's Brenda Cherry. What's the name of her charity again? It is Concerned Citizens for Racial Equality. Yeah, I will, as Concerned Citizens of Racial Equality ourselves, can we be a member? <laughs> do you sign up? Like, what do you need to do? We can uh, donate, right? And yes. all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. We'll put a link on our blog, on our website, so you guys can see all of this, but It'll damn. It'll be posted on uh, Saturday on our social media. Yes. That's crazy. I mean, she's just, every single time there's a story, and she even witnessed it one time with the police... Um, harassing a man on the side of the road. I forget what he was doing. And and she she was there and she what? Like stepped in and was like, hey, what yeah, the hell? Yeah, she even gave a statement saying, that's not what happened. Like, no, I was there. I was a witness. This is what happened. And it was on video and the video didn't show what they were claiming. And it still... Went in the police favor. Yeah, see, this is the thing. Like, I don't understand how, with all the video now of proving things that have happened for years, how people can still get off. Like, there's literally a video of the situation happening, how the people are saying that it happened, and yet you are taking the cops' word for it. Like, I am not saying that cops are bad people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I don't want cops to exist. What I'm saying is the training and the root of the police system of our country is racist. And it has been from the beginning, unfortunately. Yeah, so the cop said he was assaulted and the guy was like, I didn't assault him. Right. Dash cam video never showed him being assaulted. Jeez. And so and yet, um, he was are. charged with assault of a public servant and resisting arrest. And of course, um, did he get it dismissed? The charges? 
Because, like, I mean, especially with having a witness there and everything. Well, I say that. It doesn't always go that way, you know? So, um, it said the officer was suspended, but it, the suspension was lifted when the officer appealed. But there was outcry from the civilians because Brenda... Right. Was like, hey. Yep. I witnessed this and it still fucking went this way. And the dash cam video, Brenda released the dash cam video. Yeah, she did. Good girl. Because she filed an open records request through her nonprofit. There it is. Open records request, everyone. Seriously. So she's doing out here doing the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad to know her. And she, she's here in Texas with us. That'd be mm-hmm. kind of cool to meet her sometime. I'm, you know? But we live in Florida now. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Coming off the rails again. Um, it's been a hell of a show. Right? <sighs> a hell of an episode. Yes. Show? What the fuck am I saying? Past two episodes. Lord have mercy. Ooh, we got some crazy people up in our bitch. But I'm going to calm it down next week. Are you? Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do, to be honest. I don't know. But it's not going to be anything like this anymore. Heavy hitter, I guess. So, oh man. Thank you all so much for listening. This is like truly super fun. We have a great time doing it. Um, and as always, we'll, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.